Welcome to Fly on the Wall Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Songson, CEO and founder of Church Boom. Here you get to sit in on a live coaching session as I coach pastors through the ministry challenges we all face. If you find this podcast helpful, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share. Today we're talking with Pastor Mike from Washington. He's got a great church there. And I'm talking with him today about how to create a compelling vision that other people will want to follow. Because that's what we do as leaders. We have vision and we have ideas and we want to rally people to that. And how do you compel people to it? And how do you create the kind of vision that will attract amazing people? So let's check out the conversation today. How can I serve you today, man? What's on your mind? Yeah, well, God has been really good to us over here. And, you know, one of the questions that um, that I wanted to ask was, you know, as churches begin growing, um, it's the hard part is establishing mission and vision, right? Especially when you want to turn a church around. Um, yeah. And so I know sometimes there's some confusion out there between the difference, um, what is what is mission and what is vision? How do they mm-hmm. intersect? How do they intertwine? But yet, how are they different? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah, if you ask 10 different leaders, you probably get 10 different answers. So I'll give you mine. (laughs) The way that I've separated it out, at least for me and the way that I've always taught it and saw it is that mission answers the what question Mm. and vision answers the where. That's good. Yeah. Where are we going? What are we doing? So years ago, um, uh, I remember getting together with my executive pastor and we kind of got in a room and we're like, okay, um, where are we going? What are we doing at, at, at the church? And so mm-hmm. uh, it was, I don't know, several years ago, seven, eight years ago. And I remember, okay, we know what we're doing. We want to, okay, we always, we always had that. That was the mission. We want to lead unchurched people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing. So it doesn't matter what campus you're at or whatever. What We want to be, this is what we want to do. We want to lead unchurched people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Where are we going? Well, mm. we've always had a heart for leadership, and we've always had a heart for the lost. Those are two big things in our world. And I think that in that vision, you have to find the heart of the leaders and the heart of what God wants to do. Okay. And I think vision, is all, vision always seems to be a combination of God's heart and the leader's heart. It always seems to have that, those two together. So... When we started thinking about vision, we're like, well, <clears throat> God's heart, our heart, the lost. God's heart, our heart um, is, uh, is leaders. You know, we love raising up leaders. I mean, you know that. Yeah. You, know, you know me. Uh, so we started, we thought, we thought, okay, we know what we want to do. So this, this campus over here, we want to be about, what, what do we want to do? We want to lead unchurched people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. But where are we going? And so... This is what we came up with. We want to connect people in every state and on every continent. We want to connect people to Jesus on every state and on every continent by, by here's the two things, by developing mm. leaders and creating irresistible churches. Okay. See, that's where we were going. And to say where we're going, we're not going to land there next week. We're not even going to land there probably in our lifetime because I do think visions have to be big enough to outlast your personal generation. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I agree. See, I'm probably not going to be alive when we're in every state and on every continent. <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe yeah. I will be, maybe I won't be. Right. Uh, but it, it takes more than one generation 
to fulfill, mm-hmm. I think, a large vision. That's where we're going. Where are you guys going in every state? Where are you going on every continent? Where are you going? We're going to develop leaders and create irresistible churches. That's where we're going. We're not there yet, but that's where we're going. But Okay, but what are you guys doing right now? Well, right now, we're leading unchurched people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So the what supports the where. And the where is got to be so big that it probably isn't going to be accomplished uh, in the next 10 or 15 years and might not be accomplished under your leadership. So what, what do you say to a pastor who is kind of afraid the, to make the where really big? You know, mm. like to say, man, that's kind of, you're being a little overzealous there. That's, that's kind of a little too big. Like bring, bring it back down. So what do you say to that pastor? Yeah. Well, let me back up and say also, I think there are other visions that can, you know, hey, we have a vision to build a building. Well, that's not, shouldn't take 40 years. Uh, So, you know, uh, that's different. Those are kind of short-term visions. But I think when you look at an overall arcing vision, you know, of where we're going, um, I think it has to be big. Now, to the pastor, uh, are you saying to the pastor that gets afraid? Or to is that what you're saying? Gets a little fearful of creating? Yeah. if If you have a pastor who has a hard time believing in himself yeah. or believing that they can even accomplish anything. They might set a vision that's a little bit closer to home instead of saying every nation or every continent, and they right. might say in our city instead. Right. So in our city is kind of something that you can do, but nations or continents, that is like only God can help you do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, you know, and, and I think you're, you're, you're jumping into, uh, I think for pastors like that, I think you're jumping a little bit into uh, a fear issue like you talked about. I think mm-hmm. you're also jumping, but if you peel back that word fear, you're probably talking a little bit of insecurity, yeah. uh, a little bit of what, what happens if people don't embrace it, a right. little bit of what happens if people don't get behind it. What if they laugh a little at me, maybe internally, like, oh, well, that's nice. It's a nice pipe dream. God bless you. You know, uh, what if they do that? So I do think that there's some components to that, Mike, because I think a pastor has to ask himself, you know, and anybody listening to this has to ask himself, do I make visions that are easy enough for me to get to that, quite honestly, God doesn't really have to get too involved? Yeah. And that sounds hypocritical, but isn't that true? That's crazy. Yeah. Where, because right. I, I, I see, I, I see guys and I've had conversations with thousands of pastors across the nation and <laughs> excuse me and they'll say oh this is my vision and i'm like i don't even know if god's got to get involved in that now <laughs> that sounds bad like we know we need god's no, anointing we get need god. you get, get what it. i'm saying you get yeah, what i'm saying it's like I get it. dude you can do that in your own strength mm-hmm. um i don't know if it really you know i mean obviously we want god's anointing god's presence but you you got this now, to be in every state and on every continent, to develop leaders, to raise up a million leaders, like Maxwell said one time, I'm going to raise up one million leaders. Like, man, God better give you a lot of good ideas and a heck of a lot of money because that's going to take a lot of work. That's huge. Uh, however, however, uh, one, um, I do think that you – a couple thoughts. One, I think you have to peel back the onion of fear and go, what's the real issue here? What's the real issue? Mm. Is it insecurity? Yeah. Is it um, – is it a feeling of being criticized? Is it a feeling of being mocked at? Is it a feeling of f- f- failing? Okay, what, what is that? Okay, <clears throat> I think that's one thing. I think the second thing you got to look at is, man, I've got to create a vision um, big enough that God's got to definitely get involved or it's over. 
and, and I think that's just the question. It's not a matter of is it so big that I to compete with someone else because I don't think we should ever, ever be competing with other people. I think we have to compete with what's possible for us. Mm. And so that's we have good. to look and say, okay, um, I don't know if it's going to be this big, this big, or this big, but, it's, but, I, but I would say this to someone. You've got to make it big enough that God's got to get involved. And if he doesn't get involved, you know you're going to fail. Right. Somewhere, somewhere in there. And I don't know what that range is, but somewhere in that range, that's got to happen. Um, I, I, and I think if it doesn't happen, then we're, I think we're minimizing, you know, um, of what God is doing. And you and I have talked about, you know, our own personal struggles, you know, we, you know, we all struggle with insecurity and fears and you and I've had some good conversations about that and private conversations about that. And we all kind of struggle with it. Everybody does. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, what's interesting is recently I heard, I was speaking at a church recently and the pastor did this little, uh, little bit before I, before he introduced me, it was coming out of worship. And I was like, Whoa, I never thought of it that way. Um, and he said this, um, he said, we hear the word in vain, don't take the Lord's name in vain, and you think of a cuss word, using God's word and God's name inside of a cuss word. And he goes, have you ever thought that maybe God's in heaven thinking, I hope I didn't give you the ability to dream in vain. Mm. I hope I didn't give you all those skills in vain. In vain means there was no point to it. Nothing came of it. It was in vain. Nothing, nothing happened with it. Yeah. And I thought, I never thought of that. Mm. Like, I hope I didn't give you all that ability, Mike Alvarado, in vain. I right. hope there was a reason for it. The ability yeah. to dream, the ability to run fast, the ability to raise up leaders, um, <laughs> the resources, the buildings, the whatever God does. I hope, I, I, it, it was an interesting thought where it's like, I wonder if God's going, man, I hope I didn't give that to you in vain. Yeah, yeah. Whew. <laughs> I hope I hope you did a big responsibility, yeah, man. Absolutely. And I think that now bring that to vision where I just think like, wow, you know, I hope that for us that that God doesn't give us the ability to dream, the potential, the skill set, the you know, the ability to have coaches in our life, all the things He gave us. I hope He didn't do it in vain, right? Yeah. And, uh, so anyway, no, I think that's good. I, I, you know, I'm. I remember when I first started, you know, 21 years ago, I was a kid, 26 years old. I really didn't know much about vision. I knew I had a calling, uh, started pastoring my home church. Um, and I remember I was a big Tommy Barnett fan. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I went to their school of ministry. Oh, and yeah. so everything I was preaching was a Tommy Barnett sermon. I mean, I'd oh, hear yeah. sermons. <laughs> or, this is back when tapes were still a thing, right? Oh, so there we go. Ordering his tapes, right? I just aged yeah. myself a bit. Yeah, that's but, right. Uh, I remember after about three years of that, I went to one of his conferences, and there was about 7,000 people in that building. And he gets up and says, You know, a lot of you are living off of my vision. It's time to get your own vision. Spend wow. some time alone with Jesus. And stop living off of my revelation and get your own. Whoa! And so here I'm, 29 years old, and now I'm super convicted. I thought like he was staring at me, even though I was in the third balcony, right. and um, that really forced me to to get on my knees, study, right. and say, God, what what do you want for our church? You know, right? And I don't want to just mimic what other churches are doing. Every church is unique. Every community is unique. What right. what he, my calling is unique. So what is it, God? And and that's when I began to learn to 
to get some vision and, and begin to dare wow. to dream, you know, yeah. to do something different than what has always wow. been. So, wow. yeah, I totally get that. Woo, living off of my, you're living off my vision of my revelation. <laughs> if yeah. that doesn't, if that doesn't rip you, then it's like, good luck. Oh man, I thought he was just going to slap me next. <laughs> oh man, good word. But good you word. know, there's a lot of young guys out there that don't have those mentors like you talked about. Um, yeah. They don't have spiritual fathers and, yeah. and so they're out. Uh, doing their own thing, um, maybe with mm. a good heart, but they just don't have direction. And mm. it, it, I wish I would have had this, you know, 20 years ago. And, mm. um, but off of what I've had to go through, I try to get a bunch of young guys who are in ministry and try to challenge them with right. some of my mistakes. Mm, yeah, man, that's a powerful word. Mm. I do think it's important, man. We, we've, and, and here's the thing too, Mike is, is, you got to have a vision worth following. Yeah. You know, okay, take your average, kind of your, man, I hate to even do this because it classifies people, but maybe a person that's not really a leader and, and, and just kind of, they're just kind of, you know, they're getting along in life and they're doing fine, but they're, you know, it's not like they're this entrepreneurial leader, you know, maybe they're just not that person. I think the level of vision that attracts people is vastly different. Yeah. So you take a guy that's, you know, does well financially, loves God, man. He's, he's just a visionary, crazy visionary guy. Man, if you don't have a vision big enough, it's going to be hard to get those guys on your team. Yeah. Like, really? That, that's, that's all we're going for? That's it? Mm, that's you so know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, God, when I was about third, we started the church at 29. By the time I was 31, 32, God brought to our church, I think I shared this with you, the entrepreneur of the year. On the cover of the magazine, <laughs> like I'm like, and I'm 31. Yeah. He's only about 40. Self-made millionaire, sold his first company for 65 million, and God brought him to me. And there's a lot that goes into that, and I won't get all into it. Uh, but basically, through a lot of conversations with him, humble man, loves God, really loves God, very humble, but in a very nice, polite, good-hearted way, he looked at me and said. Being an usher, that's what you want me to do? Like, mm. he wasn't being arrogant. He was like, so you got a guy that can pitch a 110-mile-an-hour fastball, and you're going to have him work the snack bar? Right. Like, that's what you're going to have me do? And, you know, this is this is as big as the vision is? I mean, that, okay. You know, and I was just like, wow, did it challenge me. Like, one, I better be able to know, I better be a tractional enough leader to get big leaders around me. Two, I better be able to have a place where very high-level leaders can operate because they're going to get bored quickly. And thirdly, I got to have a vision that's worth following. Like, I can get behind that. That is yeah. big. You know, otherwise, the lower that vision goes, it drops in the level of leaders and people that you attract. Yeah, I mean, that, that kind of leads into that second question I was going to ask you is how do you get... Yeah. You're, you're in a traditional church that has many years under its belt, right? And then you go into this church, God gives you a great vision. How do you get buy-in um, from mm. the people that have been there 20 years or 30 years, yep. right? Yep. Um, we've all gone through it. I, I think you said something a little earlier that God sent you people. Mm. And about 10 years ago, when we really started making a transition, God sent me two guys. One was, uh, he became my associate pastor. <clears throat> Another one was a, a, an investor. Uh, real estate mm -hmm. guy. And I remember one time we sat in a restaurant and they said, 
um, Mike, here's your here's your problem: is you think in the thousands, and we're here to help you think in the millions. And so they're just trying to get my mentality to that next level, right? And I think we all need those people in our lives to say, "You're thinking too small. You need to start thinking up here." Wow. And and so then I had to try to get buy-in from our people to say, all right, guys, we've got to really make a shift here in how we do ministry, how we spend the finances, the direction we're going in. So how do you how do you get buy-in from the people that have been in church forever? You get this pastor in here who's eager, great vision. How do you how do you get that buy-in? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. The I think that uh, one. I think it's a great question. Um, I think it's important to understand that there are early, mid, and late adopters in any situation. So right. some people get frustrated. It's like, I can't get these people to do it. I'm like, that's normal. You have early adopters, yeah. mid adopters, late adopters in any investment. Bitcoin at a dollar, early adopters, mid adopters at $5,000, 20000 Oh, now I think it might be, you know, whatever. Any yeah. investment, any business, any vision, there's always early, mid, late adopters. And so I think you have to be aware of that and accept that. Um, that's one thing. Um, I do feel that one of the challenges is knowing who is the early, the mid and the late, mm. because the, if I can get yeah. the mid around the early, then the late adopters, the tipping point starts to happen and they start to jump over here. So knowing who your early adopters are, knowing who your mid adopters are, and knowing that there are certain late adopters that will come on board later or not come in at all, and I want to get them around them. That's one thing. Second thing is um, I think one of the most important things anytime vision's being casted, one of the most important thing is to know who's the biggest influencers in the room. Mm. There's yeah. no question about it. It is the biggest thing. I didn't say who has the most money or who's been around the longest or who's the oldest, the youngest, the you know the most extrovert. I, just in general, you look at eight hundred person church, you know, like yours or thousand people, whatever it is right now, and you think, okay, um, who's the top fifty? Who's the top seventy most influential people in our church? After you get past the board and the staff, who, who's the mm-hmm. most influential? that is probably the biggest key. So I always look at who's the most influential, can I get them on board? Then when I there's certain people that I think, hmm, they need a little one-on-one with me because they're mm. not, I don't know if they're just, I don't think they'll accept the vision in a public forum. They'll embrace the vision in a private forum. That's good, yeah. And so, you know, the old saying, the meeting before the meeting is the most important meeting. I gotta have... Mm. I got to have probably about, I got to have this group, all these influencers, and then there's probably a select 15 or 20 that in a public forum, they won't process it, but I need them to. Uh, I, I think there's a lot more work in a vision than people understand mm. because there's a lot that goes into it before you have the big unveiling on a Sunday morning or whatever day, you're gonna, whatever day you do it. The big yeah. unveiling, there is a lot of work that goes before the big unveiling. Getting people on board, getting the influencers on board, and having those one-on-ones that, for those people that will accept it better privately than they will publicly. Mm. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't underestimate how much work it takes before you get to the unveiling. The unveiling, 
in my opinion, if you do all the homework right, the unveiling is just a point of celebration. You already right. got everybody on board. You got the, as long as you got the major influencers on board, you had all the private meetings, you had all this, you get everybody excited, you tell them how important that they are, you're in the vision, I need your influence, I need your excitement. You step up and whatever they do, everybody will follow. They just start yeah. going with it. But man, you don't have that meeting before the meeting. You don't have those early adopters all on board. You don't have those key influencers on board. You don't have those one-on-ones. And then you're going to present a big vision. Uh, you're rolling the dice. Mm. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. You do awesome. it right. and You do it right. And the day comes for the big vision. It's a slam dunk. It's easy. Yeah. So if you have, and th- this will lead me into the last question that I had for you today. Um, yeah. You know, you have your your influencers, but then how do you identify that next generation that you got to bring up to help you accomplish the vision, um, identify who are future leaders in the church, maybe future campus pastors if you're multi-site? How do you identify those 18-year-olds, those 25-year-olds, right, mm-hmm. that that, mm-hmm. that age group there, um, to maybe see if they're next? Yeah. Well, uh, I, it's a great question because, you you know, I think everything, you know, the old saying, everything rises and falls on leadership. You have to have leaders that are coming up through the, you know, farm league, if you will. Yeah. Uh, if you don't, your team's going to be pretty shallow soon. Uh, so you got to be raising those people up. Mm-hmm. What I think is it would be good, uh, Mike, is to step back just a little bit from that question and go, okay, you know, there's the natural thing. You identify someone that seems to be passionate, the kid's pretty faithful, seems to ask a lot of questions. You know, I think there's natural intuition like, man, he walks into a room and he seems to be the leader of his tribe, you know, his little group of 20s friends, you know. I think those are some natural things. What I think is is um, important those are natural intuition things is, but what does the farm league look like? What is, how do we actually systematize that? Because your natural intuition, you're a great leader. Your natural intuition is there's a 20 year old kid. He's clearly the leader. There's a 25 year old kid. Wherever he wants to go to lunch, all 20 of those kids are going to go to lunch with him after church. Like he's the leader. That's your intuition. That's intuition is very hard to teach. So how do we systematize it at the church? So that the farm league is not based on intuition. Yeah. It's based on a system. Right. So what I would look at is say, okay, leadership circles. You've heard me talk about that. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you grab a five leaders, take them through a book. Is there a way to identify the top 25 in your church? You got a big church, so top 25 in your church. Get them into four or five groups. And then let that group allow to say who's starting to ask better questions, who seems to be more of the leader, who seems that way anybody can do that. You know, any of your staff could lead a group of go through a book together, two books together throughout the next six months, meet with them once or twice a, a, a month. You know, I've got six or seven or eight, eight 25 year olds in my group. Even if I don't have intuition like you as a leader, I can clearly in the room go, this one talks the most. This one has the best questions. This one's always on time. This one seems to be the leader. And you start noticing that. So I think there's a natural intuition, but natural intuition is very difficult to to duplicate. Mm. So you have to create a farm league in order to answer the intuition issue. 
And figuring that out, like I literally would probably, I would probably grab like, I don't know, five or six of your great <clears throat> 30s, 40s leaders, you know, mm-hmm. whoever, and just go, guys, what if we just took the top 15 people? What if we just hand selected them, threw them in the group, and started mentoring them through these just reading books together? And let's see who rises to the top. Yeah, Less really intuition, good. more system. But now you're, see what's happening there is you're creating a pathway, you're creating mm-hmm. a culture. Fast forward two years from now, maybe there's 20 groups going. <laughs> and you're like, you're just yeah. popping leaders up all the time. Yeah. Remember, you're a natural intuition leader. You can't duplicate. It's very difficult to duplicate intuition, if not impossible. Yeah. Uh, it's very, very hard to do. But you can create a system that allows the average leader to start picking people out. That's really good. You have to create that. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't you don't want us to be like the Yankees and sign a bunch of free agents no, I just, and not have a farm system, right? <laughs> I know you're a Yankee fan. That's why I'm saying that. Oh, no. They tick me <laughs> off because they just throw money at the problem. They, what really makes you mad is the people that I don't like, which is the Houston Astros. They, they've got an amazing farm league. They they, I don't know why they farm cheat. <laughs> you guys are great what are you cheating for <laughs> oh man that's hilarious that's awesome yeah. well man i hope that helped you today mike yes it did thank awesome. you so much awesome. awesome it's always thank always you. great hanging out with you got an amazing church and i always love partnering with you man and yeah thanks for thank being you, on the podcast today. yeah right, cool. bless you bye-bye all right